the next instalment as far as uh, what's happening at the hide, etc. However, what I'm going to do tonight is a wee podcast on past glories, history, uh, and a wee funny story. My dad was a policeman, and I miss him greatly. And what he did as a sideline was uh, trapping rabbits. So that sort of facilitated the opportunity for me to join him on these rabbit trapping uh, experiences in and around the countryside of Perthshire. Now, my dad had various estates that he used to trap, and on one occasion we were around about the south side of Perth, around about Findle Gask area, and dad had this area trapped up or snared up. Now, if you can imagine things, I can still see it in mind's mind's eye, but there was a knoll, and it had a a dry stone dike on on the bottom of it, and then on the field side of it, there was a, a fence line. So Dad had all that snared up, and if you went round the the corner, as I sort of heading north, uh, there was this forest. Now the forest is on both sides of the track, so Dad was in there, and I remember him. There was this crow that had got itself caught in a uh, a snare. Now I'm not for snaring at all. Don't get me wrong, but uh, anyway, this snare had caught this crow. So Dad, being Dad, rather than hit it on the head with a stone, uh, was determined to get this thing free. And good on him. And I can remember him sitting there with this the strap of his uh, bag, this leather strap, stick it in the crow's mouth so it wouldn't peck him and try to loosen this snare. And, and snares are vile things at the best of time. But anyway, good on Dad. So he got this strap stuck in this crow's mouth and uh, managed to get this crow free and let it loose. However, in the meantime, as Dad is checking the rest of his snares, I'm wandering away up this track up towards the forest. And I, as you reach the forest, there was a sort of grain field on your right-hand side and this forest was like ominously looming uh, in front of you. And there, as I walked up, was this great big bugger-off turkey sitting right in the middle of the track. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, I was only six, seven-year-old or something at the time. And I'm sitting there going, what the heck is that? You know, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Now, this thing must be two and a half, three feet tall, which, as a six, seven-year-old, wasn't much smaller than myself. So, of course, I just wandered up because this thing didn't show any fear or trepidation or anything like that about me being there. The next minute, this thing, the head is up and it starts this pop, pop, popping, uh, you know, and then the wings droop and it starts dragging it across the deck and start going around in circles and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So, of course, I just kept walking and uh, (laughs) the next minute I know I am getting dragged backwards (laughs) by the neck by my dad, going, run. And I'm like, what the heck is up, Dad? And he went, just run. And this, which then I became aware of, was a capercaillie, attacked us. And it was just going nuts. Absolutely nuts. So this thing is straight on us. And it had no fear, as I said before, absolutely no fear whatsoever. And it just kept coming and coming and coming. And... Given Daddy's due, he, we, we just kept running and given, given the animal space to sort of reassert itself and like show it, it, it was the boss and then it eventually stopped 
and it was the most amazing experience, a very frightening experience at the same time, but it was just wow. Now, cappers are getting rarer and rarer, mainly due to uh, uh, habitat loss, etc. Intensive farming, um, the whole thing, but you know, they are incredible creatures when you come across them. And, and just thinking that Perthshire uh, had so many cappers in it, and we are now pretty much devoid of any capper Kayleys in the area. Maybe probably up beside Loch Erich, uh, Drummond Hill, Kenmore area. We are still sort of uh, Scots Pine areas, but it's shocking that, you know, the, the whole area is now gone. The last Capper Cayley I saw in the area was probably 25 years ago, and that was down at McClure, and we were driving, that's, that's, that's probably more than 25 years ago. I remember we were driving back from my grandmom, grandmother's to back to Dunkeld, so that's probably 30 plus years ago, and uh, just at McClure Crossroads, Dad stopped the car, and it was this uh, male capper Cayley sitting in a tree just before the crossroads, just a little lure, and sat there, and Dad's like, wow, look at that, there's a capper Cayley. And, you know, we it was one of these birds that we knew were around, but we never actually saw on a regular basis as such. And below the tree that he was sat in, there was two to female cappers. Now, I've seen male capper Cayleys often, but seeing females, I think the last time I saw a female capper Cayley was probably about three or four years ago, and that was just pure luck. Uh, amazing creatures, though, all the same. You know, when you see the size of the males compared to the females, there's quite a differential. However, just going back to the original story, uh, it was amazing getting that that buzz being attacked by a bird. Now, <laughs> you don't often think that's going to happen, but uh, seeing these these animals... Now, this must have been March through to May, possibly June, July at the latest, but uh, they are so territorial. Otherwise, they're quite shy birds. But uh, when in the lecking season, oh, my God, they are just mental, absolutely cra crazy, crazy animals. I've got a few more stories regarding cappers, but I probably would share them. But uh, they are amazing, amazing creatures. Absolutely brilliant to see. And it's unfortunate that the, the Capper Cayley uh, population in Scotland has had to be, uh, what we'll say, um, beefed up by Scandinavian birds. So, and, and that's not been once apparently, I think it's been two or three times that the, the population has to be beefed up. And don't quote me on that, but um, but that just shows how badly we are managing these birds and how badly we are managing our woodlands and habitat. Uh, lo losing Scots pine is a major issue towards losing Capercaillie and our indigenous creatures. Uh, crested tits might be the next ones to go. I don't know, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's quite sad, actually, quite sad. However, that's my wee capper story for tonight. My next one, as far as uh, wee stories are concerned, uh, I'll go back to the, the beavers. Uh, my, my, probably, true love, shall we say, and the, the animal that got me right back into nature after uh, so many years being away from it and uh, realising how much I admired it. 
I started watching the Beavers uh, 2012 and I've been taking tours uh, since then and I've been really uh, I've been really promoting them one way or another uh, they're such an incredible animal and having these creatures back in our wild uh, in our uh, countryside is a boon they are amazing amazing creatures however <laughs> I used to be <laughs> a wee bit daft as far as my beaver colony was concerned I used to watch them uh, through the spring, summer, winter, autumn, you name it. And when we used to get floods, I used to get really, really worried. And I would go down and see the beavers just to make sure they were okay, the colony was okay. So one night I was down there and it was uh, it was in February. and it, No, sorry, January it was. And it was Baltic. It was minus six. Now, it had snowed through the day. The temperature had actually risen and then it had rained. Then the temperature just dropped to, I think it was minus six, minus seven. So all the snow that had fallen was just pure ice. So I'm down at the river and I'm just hiking about looking for signs of the beavers to make sure they're okay because like I said, it'd been, there'd been a wee flood event. So I'm down there and I'm crawling about on my hands and knees just trying to get a wee place to see the beavers. Now, this is pitch black, obviously. You know, in the back end of January, at 7 o'clock at night, it's pitch black. So I'm sitting there quite a thing. And out the corner of my eye, I see this thing bobbing down the river. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go, beaver. So there's a small area just down river from that. It's a sort of beachy kind of bit that uh, the beavers of, often come in and use that as a sort of feeding station. So they'll, they'll grab a twig and come in there and they'll sit down. So I went down there, so I'm sitting there quite a thing. And now I'd actually did a wee commando job, hands and knees, through this snow for about 50 yards, soaking wet, got down to this beach, beachy area, and I've got the camera rigged up, got the flash on, which I no longer use as far as uh, wildlife's concerned. But anyway... You know, you're talking eight years ago and not realising the damage uh, that can be done or may be done or whatever. However, I'm sitting there quite the thing and this beaver <laughs> comes bobbing down the river quite the thing and I'm sitting there going, right, here we go. And this beaver came down the river, like I say, down the stream and it's, it was right in front of me and I ripped off so many pictures on the flash and I thought, wow, I really got you this time, sunshine. This is brilliant. You know, not often you get a, a decent picture of a beaver at the dark. And lo and behold, when I look back on the pictures, here was a, a rugby ball that had been floating down the river. And <laughs> that's what it was. It wasn't a male beaver or female beaver or any beaver whatsoever. It was just this rugby ball with Gilbert and the, the official... Rugby Union World Cup insignia on it. So to say I was a wee bit gutted, both the point embarrassed, uh, was something else. On the beaver stuff, I've had so many laughs, absolutely so many laughs. And that was the January of that year. The, the same year, I did a, a wee tour. I was actually meant to be meeting up with some clients. However, the again, it went really frosty, really skittery. It was actually dangerous going going to the river, so I cancelled the cancelled the tour, and I thought, stuff it, I'm going to go down by myself. So I went down, parked the car. Now this is not my normal colony that I visit, but this is a different one. 
So I went down, parked the car at the bridge. Now, as you go the north, well, it's actually the west side of the bridge, uh, there's a wee slope and you go down to this beachy area and it's right on the bend of the river. So I walked down there and knowing full well that this is where beavers often did a, again, a feeding station. So I had a hand torch in my hand, I had a head torch on the go, but I just didn't light any of them up. So I walked down through the snow, really, really quietly actually, it was, it was quite nice. Walked down, so I sat down at this corner and then flicked on my head torch, flicked on the hand torch, and then was very aware there was something beside me. And I turned round, turned the head torch round, and here's this beaver sitting with, <laughs> on its bum, with this twig, which it was shaving the bark off of, and it's sitting looking at me as if to say, what the hell are you? And <laughs> so it slipped back into the river. <laughs> and now this thing was only about two feet from me, which was actually amazing. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze here. <laughs> Bless me. And I probably going to go away. <laughs> there we go, got rid of that one. Anyway, so I thought, wow, <laughs> that was something amazing. So I thought, right, I'll pop up towards the hide, uh, no, the hide, the, the lodge, which is about another five, six hundred yards up the river. So I'm walking up and I'm getting hissed at left, right and centre by this by this beaver that I'd obviously uh, disturbed. So I took the sort of wise decision to step into the field away from the river so the beaver, last thing you want to do is actually uh, tick them off. So I'm walking up quite, quite happily, gets up to the lodge. And this lodge is huge, it's absolutely massive. So I sat there for, what, half an hour, three quarters an hour, and like I say, it was absolutely Baltic. It was freezing. It must have been, what, minus five, minus six, at least. Pure clear night, absolutely clear night. Uh, hunter's moon, so full moon. Uh, nothing moving on the river at all. I thought, right, stuff it, right, that's no good. What I'll do is I'll head back down towards the car, go underneath the bridge, and head down to this sort of wee section that's got another river coming into it. Now, that particular river, uh, it's the Dean, the Dean Water, shall we call it. Just on the east side of that, there's a lovely wee lodge. Now, this is where the Isla really narrows down. And there's a lodge just right opposite that, maybe about 100 yards east of the Dean Water, uh, sort of estuaries. Well, estuaries are wrong, but you know what I mean. So, I thought I'll go walk down there. So, it goes underneath the bridge, and as, as I'm walking down, I'm hearing chomp, chomp, chomp. Chomp, chomp, chomp. And here's at least three or four beavers having goes at these trees, these uh, willows. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, you could see them. Uh, not good enough for a photograph, but that wasn't the option on this evening. This was just being there with these fantastic creatures. So I'm walking down quite a thing. So there's a barbed wire fence that runs down between the, the river, the riparian edge, and then into the field. So... I'm walking on the uh, the field side of the, the barb, walking down, and I could hear these animals chomping away at these trees, which was absolutely amazing. And I was I get, was getting the occasional tail splash. They, they obviously knew I was there. Uh, then I sneaked down and got right in front of the lodge, which is literally only, what, 20 yards from you, if that, on the opposite side of the river. So I'm sat there quite a thing. And it, like I say, it was really, really cold, but it was one of these nights that as cold as it was, there was no wind. The stars were out, the moon was out, it was just a lovely, lovely evening. So I'm sat there, and then next minute I'm hearing is this chomp, chomp, chomp. 
chomp, 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 and then, which was obviously a beaver, and then you could hear the beaver sharpening its teeth, which is a really, really weird sound, and beavers, when they've been chewing, chewing trees, they'll often stop, and they will have a wee sort of sharpening of teeth, so they, they will put their upper teeth over the lower teeth, so the lower teeth are actually chewing in the, the soft dentine at the back of their upper teeth, and then they'll do the same again on the lower teeth, so the, the, the upper teeth will be chewing the, the soft dentine on the lower teeth, like I say. So yeah, so they sharpen it, so they, they become chisel-like. So they'll do that every, every 15, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever it is, but it depends on how long they've been chewing trees. So I'm sitting there, and this animal's sitting there like chomp, 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 and then everything stopped, and then you could hear it uh, sharpening its teeth quite happily. Then it started getting torn into this tree again. Now, beavers aren't the most cleverest things in the world because one of the things they do is as soon as the tree starts to come down, the first thing they do is jump into the river. Now, there's a, this mythology that beavers always cut trees down that will drop into the river, which is absolute nonsense. They'll just cut trees whatever way they come into it. Anyway, one of the big things is uh, because the beavers think it's safe diving into the water when the trees come down, sometimes the trees do come down into the river and then banjo the, the beavers, hence dead beavers. Apart from farmers shooting them, but that's a different scenario and we won't go there, go, won't go there tonight. But anyway, this tree was obviously on a really sticky wicket and the beaver came back and had another wee chomp, chomp, chomp at it after having to be splashing the river, thinking it was going to go. Next minute, all I heard was like, chomp, 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 creak, crack. And everything went quiet, just for these seconds. Everything just went totally dead quiet. And then you heard this crack. Then it was a splash as the beaver realised this tree was coming down. So the beaver's in the water. I'm 15, 20 yards, well, I would say 20 yards away from where the tree was. Thankfully, the tree was only 15 yards long and came down straight at me. So this thing was literally, what, 15, 15, 20 feet at the very, very most away from me when it came down. And if it had been any longer, it was right on top of me. No fault of the beaver and <laughs> no fault of mine. But at that point, I realised, hmm, this is not a good place to be when these little devils are sitting chomping trees in the middle of the night. So I, I sort of did a hasty retreat walked along the river bank and hooked over the, uh, the barbed wire fence and all the rest of it. And as I was walking back to the car, I'm getting tail splashed all the way up the river, which is a fantastic sound to hear, but at the same time, it's absolutely disappointing that they they are so aware of you that they and they are so annoyed at you being there. And that is the last thing that I really want to do. So anyway, there's a few stories at my expense. Hope you enjoyed them, and uh, I'll keep you updated with other ones in the near future. So, bye for now. Ta-ta. <laughs>